Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at episode 18 this evening, and I'm very excited to have our guest here uh, on tonight. Uh, it is Matt Fritchie, uh, the head women's basketball coach at Hillsdale College out in Michigan. Uh, and he has had a fascinating career. Uh, you know, one of the things you know, we're going to talk about is he's done about every job possible in the coaching spectrum. So, uh, but before we get going with Coach Fritchie, uh, we want to recognize our sponsor, as always, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. If you uh, have an athlete, coaches, who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at Cosac Chiro, that's K O S A K. C-H-I-R-O.com, or you can give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure that if you do go in, tell them that pen and a napkin sent you there. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to have daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter site, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, uh, you are a member of SoundCloud or iTunes. Be sure to like and subscribe, uh, download, rate this five stars, and so that we can continue to gain momentum. Uh, we keep getting just a few more followers every time we put something up, which is really awesome. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any suggestions, uh, send us an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So, but tonight, all of that is set aside for the man, the myth, the legend. Out of, is it Elmwood Murdoch? Maywood. Maywood. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I, I get those those uh, central Nebraskan suburbs mixed up. So, uh, but uh, Matt Fritchie, the head women's basketball coach at Hillsdale College. How are you doing tonight, Coach? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on tonight, Martin. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. So, um, for the folks that don't know a lot about you, Matt. Uh, this is kind of way we usually start with our interviews, just so we give everybody a little bit of a background. Uh, just kind of tell us about your story, um, uh, where you started out in, in, in Maywood, and, and, and how you ended up in Michigan, of all places. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's typical of probably most people where uh, it's unscripted. You, uh, you just kind of start, start doing, start, start, start a journey, and then you never really know where it's going to end up. I, uh, I was a horrible basketball player, so I started coaching, um, and uh, I started doing that in college. Like uh, my junior year of college, when I got basically cut at Nebraska Kearney, I wasn't. Uh, I tried out and didn't make the team. Is basically what what happened. And then uh, I started coaching freshman boys basketball at Kearney High. Um, then from there, moved to Omaha and transitioned to uh, JV and reserve girls coach at Bellevue East. And then was at Bellevue West for oh, ten or twelve years. Yeah, and Mid yeah. Midland University for one year, and then uh, Creighton for a few, and then uh, yeah, I took the took a Division two head job. So uh, I've been been all over, and definitely coached all levels from coaching third and fourth grade whenever I was at Bellevue West in our youth program to getting to coach kids like uh, Jalen Agnew and Brian Rollerson and. Audrey Faber and Sarah Nelson, those kind of kids at, uh, at, at Creighton. The kids at Creighton were more talented than your third and fourth graders at Bellevue West? Um, just slightly, but, you know, I mean, it was, uh, 
I suppose probably just because they're older, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the only reason why. That's <laughs> absolutely the only reason. So, well, yeah, you know, you you know, uh, you have to me, Matt, you have a, a fascinating career that that you've had so far, and, and I think you've got a, a ton left to be accomplished. But you have literally been at about every level possible. I mean, a lot of the folks that we have on, they're, they're high school coaches or they're a career college coach. I mean, you started out as a high school assistant and then you became a high school head coach and then you coached at a small college NAI level and then you went to a division one level for a few years and now you're a, a head coach at the division two level. So I want to, I want to um, challenge your memory here a little bit. Sure. All right. Uh, so I want to go through your, your career here. And I want you to see if you could give us one or two major lessons that you learned every kind of every step of the way here. All right. So we'll start out with your, you know, being an assistant as as a high school assistant. You know, yeah. what what is what is one or two things that you learned really early in your career? Um, let's see. So I would say that uh, I'm going to go back to when I worked with. Uh, Scott Jensen at uh, Bellevue East, mm-hmm. and um, I found out um, via Coach Jensen how incredibly important to a high school program, a youth program is. Um, the uh, the value of kids playing in a feeder program, and the value of the mentorship of those older kids. Um, and I found out from him that, uh, you know, he was incredibly selfless as a leader, um, probably took a financial hit every year to get his teams and to, you know, um, in, enrolled in every camp that they went to and all of those things. Um, just that, that he just, that it had nothing to, coaching had nothing to do with, um, prosperity. Uh-huh. It had everything to do with just with just whatever you could do to help kids, and uh, and those two things were just incredibly evident uh, working with Scott. Okay, um, high school head coach. What's the one or two things that you'll take from your time at at Bell West? Uh, first of all, that uh, <clears throat> it's it's really really easy and. And to uh, to know why we had as much success as we did there, and I think it had to do with the collective, like uh, the collective vision of our program, and it had an incredibly huge amount to do with the assistant coaches that I had. Um, that uh, you know that, that that you're never. I had Terry Shelstead, Mark Kruger, and you know um, I had. Uh, I had Greg Bodensteiner and, and, and Emily Saley, and I had all these really talented people that um, I surrounded myself with people that either had been or in, in, in my seat or could do my job as well as I could, and, uh, and, and then we valued them. Um, I learned the most about handling assistant coaches from Terry Shelsta um, because, uh, quite honestly, Marty, I did a bad job of it early, and he called me out on it. And we had to come to some agreements on what roles needed to look like. And uh, the more I gave up, the more um, invested they became. And by the time we were done coaching, it was it was an incredibly um, efficient process. And I did not know as a, as a previous assistant 
you think you'd be better at that, but mm-hmm. I didn't do a good job with assistant coaches and and just uh, so so I I learned that I learned how important the the teamwork um, on the benches it's 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 as important or more important than the teamwork on the floor. Weirdly enough. When you, you he was talking about you were talking about roles within the assistant coaches, not the yeah. roles with the players, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, was was it just like you know you were not giving your coaches, you know, Terry, you're going to do this every night, you're going to keep tra- track of fouls and timeouts, or or what? You uh, know, what, what what was it kind of uh, a little bit more specifically than that? If you're willing to talk about it, it, it came down to uh, it came down to. Um, to everything, um, I thought Terry. I thought Terry was lazy, and uh, I thought he didn't want to be really coaching and doing anything. And I hadn't given him any jobs. I just assumed he would kind of do things. And uh, and I got an email from a scathing email from Terry about four o'clock in the morning one morning. And we're both we're both early morning people, so I called it and I said, "Hey, let's meet halfway." There's a McDonald's halfway between our house. We went and met. And uh, we both kind of aired our feelings, and I was like, "Oh my God, I've really screwed this up." Uh-huh. And um, and and then uh, and then so so we expanded the things that I expected out of him, and and not only and, and every coach on my staff, and not only did they do a good job of that, they 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 started to they started to do more and be more invested. And then the next thing you know, we've been coaching together for ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and and I think that's really, uh, you know, really uh, good of you to 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 own it to say, yeah, you know what, hey, and I, and I think sometimes as as head coaches, and, and I'm sure we're all guilty of it at some point or another. I'm sure I was. Well, it, it can't be me. I'm the head coach. I know what's going on. Sometimes and you kind of get that attitude. Sometimes, whereas, you know, yeah, you know. The, the more you do it, the more you go, yeah, it's on me. I got to get this figured out. I got to, I got to do better, you know? Oh, and I think it'd be, I think it'd be just uh, a terrible example to our players. If we weren't, if we, we, we asked them to be reflective every day. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't model that, um, I think it would be, uh, I think it would be really hard to get them to be, to be reflective. Mm-hmm. And, and so I always told, I always told my kids that, you know, like, like when we lose games here at Hillsdale and, and things don't go well, like I, like on, on our film sessions the next day, I'll oftentimes mention three to five things that I think, you know what, like this part of the scout, I don't think I helped you guys. Yeah. And during the game, when I didn't call a timeout here, I think that I hurt us. Or I, we shouldn't have played zone here. You know, yeah. those things. I think that, I think they're just like admitting that you're wrong and that you're not perfect. And, you know, I'm, I tell them all the time, I'm not Coach K, so don't, don't expect it. Yeah. And, <laughs> no, no. And... Even Coach K is is not Coach K without the ups and downs, you know, finally hitting his stride at 70 years old, you know, and I think that's kind sure. of the thing is, you know, you finally when you figure it all out, it's it's time to hang it up, you know. So, um, so, so you go from Bell West to Midland University. Was it Midland College when you were there or was it Midland University? Uh, it was Midland University, yeah. Okay, so, um, so one or two lessons you learned at Midland. So um, this is going to sound incredibly arrogant, but I'm going to say that when I was a high school coach, I felt like there were four or five programs that it didn't matter what kind of talent they had, we could beat them um, because we were organized mm-hmm. and because I knew my kids would play hard and work hard. Um, and when I got to the collegiate level, I was that guy. 
Um, I coached in the TMAC, and uh, I was the worst coach in the TMAC. Everybody in that league um, knew more about basketball and knew more about X's and O's and recruiting than I ever dreamed of. I knew how to work hard, mm-hmm. and I liked and I liked kids a lot. Um, but I had a long ways to go in the uh, in, in the schematic areas of, of the game, and uh, arguably still do. But uh, but that was something I learned really quick, and I learned uh, and I learned the you know it's uh, the, the college is a business. And, and you can, you can have a personal and genuine relationship with your, with your players, just like you can at any other level, high school, club, whatever. Um, but, but ultimately you need to, you need to do well in the wins and losses column. And, uh, and that was, uh, and that was, a, you know, that's a tough lesson. That's hard to learn. And, and, and we were, we were moving in the right direction, but, uh, you know, and, and then there's, there's a level that people that, that were really successful were doing it that I wasn't. And there was a huge gap. Um, they had Jimmy Sale at Morningside and Drew Olson at Concordia. And some of those guys were, uh, and Terry Hofstetter at the time, I mean, you know, before she got married, um, when she was at Hastings, like there were people that were 10 times the coaches that I was. And I thought I was pretty special because I had had some really good players at Bellevue Weston to cover it up for my inadequacies. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the whole recruiting thing at that level, you know, that that evens yep. the playing field really, really fast, you know. And um, okay, and they all have good players. And yeah, the, uh, the ones that are schematically sound, like the uh, like the Jimmys and the Drews and the Carries, and and and, and Jason and Wesley and and, uh, and, I, and Chris at Northwestern, like those guys separated themselves really quickly from from what I could do from a coaching standpoint. Mm-hmm. You were just at Midland for the one year, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So from Midland, you you make the jump uh, to the Division One level, and you're assistant for Jim Flannery at Creighton for was it four years? Yeah. I think it was yep. four. Yeah. Okay. Um, one or two takeaways from there. So I I, uh, I first of all um, I learned that uh, being a being a big time college coach like he is, Flan treats his players like his like his daughters. There's a reason no one ever transfers from that program. Um, it's an incredibly, he's an incredible selfless um, leader and truly cares about them individually and has built a culture that, you know, every school in the country should be envious of. And, and culture is a real crazy buzzword right now, you know, but yeah. uh but his program models it in the fact that I think he's in like 12 or 13 years without a transfer. Mm-hmm. And it's that's, just insane. That's unheard of. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then um, I started to catch up on, uh, on the X's and O's because Flan is a genius. And, uh, and not only was Flan a genius, Carrie Moore was one of the more just like, just most, most unbelievable recruiters I've ever worked with. And Chevelle Herring is just a, you know, a dynamic, dynamic teacher. And then Linda Simonson, um, probably the best basketball mind other than Flan and Todd Eisner that I've ever worked with. And, uh, and then you go to, you know, then like Jenny Vickers, who's, who's their director of ops. Like I was able to just, uh, just soak in all of their strengths and try to model some of them and, and sharpen my own tools a little bit there. And, uh, 
it was uh, it was a great learning experience. I was I was the worst coach on the staff, but uh, but it, but I got better every year because of all of them. Yeah. Well, we all knew you were the worst coach on the staff. You didn't need to tell oh, us yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. Good. good. <laughs> so you you uh, you go from uh, you go from Creighton to uh, Hillsdale, and you know what's what. Uh, not your second time around as a college head coach. What have what What do you think you're 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 doing well, or what are some of the things that you've taken with you that you think you've you've done a, a good job with there at Hillsdale? Um. So first of all, I think we uh, I think we've recruited kids that we can uh, number one um, coach every day that we know are going to do well in the classroom and model. Um, our expectations of the program outside of the program extremely well. And number two, I think that since we have, we have like two and a half recruiting classes basically on campus that are, uh, no, uh, two, two recruiting classes that are our own. Yeah. And, uh, and they are, they're kids that we can win with. Um, we're not, you know, we're, we're below 500 right now, but we're also playing, you know, nine freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. And so we're just, just super excited about the future. Um, so I think our recruiting has gone well. I think that, um, that our recruiting kids that, that model the expectations of the college, like the, uh, the culture mm-hmm. has, has shifted in the way that we wanted to. Um, and I think that we're, I think we're doing it the right way. I think we have a college that expects, that expects us to be ethical and moral in all of our choices. And I think that's, you know, with, it's, it's, a, it, it just, it's, it's a place that we fit in really well and, and we've got happy kids. So yeah. I think that's stuff we're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you're, you're at Hillsdale, I mean, you had, you had a great run at Bell West and that you kind of parlayed that into, to jumping up into the next level. Um, was, was that always kind of the plan or, or, um, uh, was that something that you just kind of, you know, for lack of a better way of, of saying it, uh, you kind of fell into us and all of a sudden you were kind of like, Oh, maybe this is something for me. Or is that always, was that always kind of a career goal? Uh, I've always wanted to coach at the collegiate level. Okay. Um, and, um, uh... I didn't. I didn't take the uh, graduate assistant route. It probably would have been a faster, more direct route. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I'd been at Bellevue West long enough, I was not. I had applied for several, um, several college assistant jobs and wasn't getting them. And so I thought, you know what? I better try the NAI route. And the Midland thing worked out really well. Mm-hmm. And Midland was a wonderful place to coach with great people to learn from and. Uh, in a good environment. It just, uh, the NAI level doesn't pay always, um, a lot. And so, and then, and then it was just bad timing that I took it a year before Flan had an opening that he would consider me for. Uh Um, I said, if I always say, if uh, Midland paid what, what I made at Creighton, they would have had to carry me out of there in a casket. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, the, that's, that's the, the great thing about the the GPAC size schools is they're they're awesome campuses to be on. It really feels like a a family type of situation. Kind of everybody knows everybody. But like you said, the downside with that is, um, you know, it's it's tough to to raise a family on yeah. on, on some of the monies that they're able to give you there. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's how it goes, though, right? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm a GPAC guy. I went to Briarcliff, and yep. and uh, yeah, you know, uh, we're uh, you you uh, as we as we set up there, we are definitely doing this for the service of the Lord and not for the financial uh, rewards right. that came along with it. So, right. Um, I think, uh, or um, let's let's uh, I'm going to go with this route here. Um, what are you know? You build a great program at Bell West. I really think if you'd have stayed at Midland for three, three or four years, I think you would have uh, been pushing uh, Concordia and Morningside and those type of schools. I've I've always been one of the things that I've really been impressed with you, uh, Matt, is your uh, ability to you know to to build programs. What what excuse me, what is the, uh, what are some common traits that you've seen with building the, the program that you had at Bellevue West and now, uh, you know, try, you know, trying to build Hillsdale up into the, uh, into the program that you want to see it there? Um, I would say that, uh, first of all, is, uh, just kind of a loyalty and a, uh, and a, um, shared vision with your assistant coaches. Um, I'm blessed to have two wonderful assistant coaches here, uh, both young ladies that are hardworking and charismatic and, and connect with my players. Um, because let's face it, the every year I get older, the less I know about what it's like to be young. And, uh, <laughs> and so being able to bridge that gap is super important. Um, so I would credit my assistants at West and my assistants here. Um, and then, uh, and then I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I always told people at Bellevue West or about our time at West is we had just ridiculously hardworking blue collar kids. Uh-huh. Um, we just had kids that everybody that you kind of want your daughter to grow up to be like. And, uh, and so just, just the recruitment of those kids here, whereas there we were, you know, we were fortunate enough. We had, we had South Omaha, you know, we had uh, Bellevue as a blue-collar um, city for the most part. And then we had, you know, off at Air Force Base um, where we had just just regular kids and that wanted to work hard and their parents understood the value of athletics. Um, so, so, so we were lucky there. They were provided to us. But here it's just recruiting the kind of kids that we want to coach, mm-hmm. the kind of kids that you don't mind spending four years with. And, uh, and then it's um, – you know, the nice part about building a program at the collegiate level is you get to pick your kids. Yeah. And, and so, you know, just, just recruiting kids that, that, that fit our system uh-huh. and that, and that, and that fit our style as coaches as well. Yeah. Um, I had a really good question. And I forget what it was, but that that happens from time to time on this program. Yeah, well, uh, and I rambled, I rambled a little long. Oh, so no, 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 later. no, you're good. You're good. Um, one of the things that I, I've always been impressed with you is your ability to re- relate to players. Now you were you were talking a little bit. Uh, I, I'm assuming um, you've got your TikTok mm-hmm. channel up and going and uh, everything. But you know, uh, I'm listening to Ario Speedwagon and Def Leppard in my classroom, and my kids are, you know, I guess the the cool kids know what I'm listening to, but most of them, you know, don't understand uh you know the hysteria album and how important that was uh but you've always seemed like you know from me watching you from afar that you've always uh 
just related to your players really well. You've always been able, it looks like you've built really good relationships with them as you do with a lot of people. Uh, what are some, some of the things that, that you do to, to relate to your players and, and like I said, build those relationships uh, with them? What do you think are some, some important things that you bring to the table that allow you to do that? Oh, I would say that it's, um, I would say that building relationships with players is like, um, you know, anyone in your life, like, first of all, you can't take yourself too seriously. Um, you have to probably admit the areas that you're short on, um, because, because they recognize that too. Um, just be, just be honest with them, I think. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we, you know, I let them into my life. Like I, I don't, uh, I don't have a, I don't have a wall, so to speak, or a drawer that's basketball. Um, they're, they're important to me in, in, in every aspect. Like, uh, you know, the, the, you wouldn't believe the things we do as college coaches. I, I changed a tire the other day. Um, helped one of my girls fill out an accident report whenever a car backed into her. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of just all the different things. We jump start cars, you know. Yeah. It's all that stuff. It's all that stuff that you just kind of, you just kind of have to be available for them off of the floor as well. And then, and then, like I said, just you know, let them be part of your life and not just part of your team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, I think that uh, to be honest with you, my wife probably is as big of a piece of my relationship with kids as I am because she is kind of that motherly figure for our team. Uh -huh. And, uh, and then, and then the other thing is like, look, I'm going to make, I'm going to make fun of them. I'm going to rip on them. And, uh, and, and like the second that they realize that I'm not, I'm not above that and they, they can fire back. Um, the second you have is the second that you have a, you know, like mutual respect. And then, uh -huh. and then the other thing is like, we, we just try to treat them well. Uh -huh. We 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 care about their experience here, and they're, they're and, and in college, you know, basketball is a big piece of your experience, but it's not every, it's not all of your experience. Yeah, like I'm I'm not John Calipari, like I'm not coaching in Kentucky, and you're you're just trying to get to the NBA. Like like I got doctors and lawyers on my team, and, and teachers, and and I want them to to experience the full realm of college. So the fact that we don't make it a job, I think, helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, so many things that you said there is so important. I think letting, letting the kids inside your life, you know, I, I know your wife is a big part of it. I'm sure your kids are around all the time. That oh, was, yeah. you know, that was always good, uh, for me when I was coaching to, to have my kids, to let them know that, yeah, you know what, I'm a dad and, you know, we've got a two minute break in practice and, I'm going to go over here and check in on my daughter and make sure she's doing her homework correctly or something like that. And, you know, just little things like that to let them know that I'm just more than a coach, you know? Oh yeah. They babysit for us. And like the other night I was recruiting, my family was still in Nebraska and I was back here recruiting and, uh, and I wasn't getting, and I'd been gone too long and I was like, you know, oh crap, I forgot to let the dog out. So I just text one of my players and I'm like, Hey, can you run over to my house and let the dog out? You know? And it's like, we're in that kind of a, town where and and in small college where nobody's above helping anybody with anything yeah and uh, yeah they're, they're a huge part of our lives that, that's a good place to be at then that's a good place to yeah, be at for so, sure. yeah and you literally get to answer the question who let the dog out 
Yeah, yeah, it was JC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you talked about uh, Scott Jensen. Yeah. And uh, I know you've probably answered this question before, but for the folks that don't know, you were at Bellevue West. Uh, Scott was at Bellevue East. Um, but then you also happened to be brothers-in-law. And, yeah. and uh, pretty crazy stuff. And I wasn't – there was at least one time where you guys – Faced off for a state championship, was it? Were yeah, you, you guys that, were going head that, to head. Yeah, that was. Uh, I don't know what year that was, but they won. They won that one. Yeah. Uh, Shelby, Shelby Quinn had a late three pointer, and we've been ahead most of the game, but not ahead like where you feel like you should win. You know. Yeah. Just uh, and and yeah, she had a late three pointer, and we never. I don't think we ever got the lead again after that. It was probably about maybe a minute and a half left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. What what was that? You know, was that were those situations tough? Was it, uh, um, you know, you know, just what was that like? Looking across there, going, you know, we're going to have to meet for Easter dinner here in a month. You know, I hope I hope everything goes okay. Or, you know, you know what I mean. You know how how did how were yeah, those situations played out? You know, weirdly enough. So I'm trying to think of the many games that I coached in. Ninety um, percent of the time, whenever. I coached a game. I was coaching against somebody that I considered a friend. Yeah. Um, you know, the first state championship game I ever got to coach in, we coached against Scott Persigal and the West Side kids with Kelly Nelson and Sarah Nelson, those guys. Yep. And uh, yep. Scott was, Scott, both Scott, Scott Persigal and Scott Jensen were in my wedding. Um, I think you want to beat your friends a little more, but you can also be happy for them when even even when you're disappointed for yourself yeah and uh and so you know i was incredibly proud of like scott's kids because i remember you know you know shelby quinn some of those kids like like that were just yeah he had some really good kids and uh and and so you know you and he and he was a tremendous coach so absolutely so, so you don't feel like you don't feel like you're you know you, you don't feel you feel bad for yourself a little bit because you always want to win and you feel bad for your kids because the state championship is special. But at the same time, like I could be, I could be happy that he had the opportunity and I could be proud of him. And, uh, and so, you know, it was, it was never uncomfortable. There was never anything weird about it. Um, you know, we didn't always talk about it right away. If uh, you know, we, we we would maybe give it some time. Um, there were a couple of years where, like early on when they were quite a bit better than we were. Um, and there were a couple of years late when we were quite a bit better than they were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it all was pretty even over the years, but yeah. they were two key programs and it was, and we normally had a really good, really quality games against each other. Yeah, absolutely. That was always, uh, one of the best, uh, rivalry games. And you know, those two schools don't like each other too much anyway you know and and yeah. you know it's it was just uh you guys had two high level programs that that battled it out there for years and years and years so um that's good stuff um we're gonna transition a little bit here coach uh we are gonna okay. jump into the don meyer quote of the day uh we do this you know approximately halfway through ish the program and so uh the Don Meyer quote of the day, and I think you've kind of talked a little bit about this with, with what you've done. Uh, Don Meyer quote of the day is, your program must have an overriding purpose, 
which is clearly visible and which teaches lessons beyond winning. I think there's a lot of truth to that, Coach. Oh, an unbelievable amount of truth, and uh, and it's especially a refreshing quote today. Whenever we're, whenever we've kind of been struggling a little bit here recently, it's uh, yeah. There's I've never you never hear a Don Meyer quote and think yeah that doesn't work. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, he he only won about a, a billion games, so you know he obviously knew what he was talking about. So yeah. Um, well, you. Uh, Let's talk a little uh, basketball, uh, basketball nerd stuff here, and yeah. go into some things here. Um, we'll talk. Let's start up with your practice setup. Um, okay. What what does a typical Matt Fritchie uh, practice? If if I uh, if I took the red eye and and flew into Hillsdale on my private jet tonight, and I got there tomorrow morning, uh, yeah. and you guys are getting ready for practice. What's it What's it going to look like? So let's see. Tomorrow is uh, we played on Saturday, um, and then we play again on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow and Tuesday would be moderately difficult days, and like install stuff, getting ready for our Thursday game. Tomorrow we probably sprinkle a little bit of our Saturday game in, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <clears throat> and so we spend about so eight or ten minutes doing drills at. Uh, 60 to 70 percent ish um warm-up passing drills and ball handling things and then we get into like and then we get into like our dynamic stretching um but actually if i'm gonna go back tomorrow they lift before so they're gonna be warmed up when they get to practice so we just jump right into our into our uh, ball handling and warm-up stuff um and then we spend let's see we probably practice for an hour and probably 35 on the floor tomorrow mm-hmm. um maybe maybe 25 uh depending upon how much stuff we needed to cover like how difficult our scout was going to be um but we spend a good 45 to 50 minutes of that um working on our footwork our reading screens our the shots that we get and uh just like our and like and like maybe three defensive principles as well before we get into anything schematic and then we would uh we would do some we would we would guard the other team's actions a little bit and how we were going to handle uh maybe their maybe their most you know their, their their most popular three actions probably tomorrow and then get into um basically our own offense for maybe 15 18 minutes after that and then towards the end of practice uh two maybe three shooting cool down drills and uh and free throws and then they stretch ice baths hot tub whatever their thing is that day and uh and come back and do it all again the next day yeah yeah um you were talking about the scout there how much you know how much has that changed from uh going from the high school level to the college level how much more do you do, do you use more tape do you have a little bit more yeah. tech and time to to go through that type of stuff what's what's that like for you so when i was a high school coach they just started huddle just started becoming a big deal um we use a program called synergy which is incredibly efficient at breaking down things um so so our scout looks like this on uh on Monday we don't. On Monday we 
we spend about 15 to 18 minutes watching clips of our of our Saturday game or Thursday game, whichever one is more important to learn from, and sometimes a combination of the two. Um, Tuesday, we, Tuesday we put it in our scout for our Thursday game. Um, so what we do is um, Tuesday is, is uh, I do a general, like a five to ten minute general, um, general principles for the game, like keys to the win, that kind of stuff. And then um, my assistant coaches go through one coach, one coach talks about each kid, each kid that, that's going to be a major part of the rotation. So normally between seven and nine players um, about their offensive traits and who may be guarding this kid mm-hmm. and and their strengths. And then they show three to five clips of each kid just on offense, so like like uh, you know consistent consistent plays that they make. Yep. And then and then um, to piggyback off of that, my other assistants. Um, talks about them defensively and what they're likely to do defensively, where their where their weaknesses are, what we can consider, you know, ways ways that we can score with that individual kid, and then so we do that all on the on Tuesday. Wednesday is Wednesday. I come in with um, like diagrams, set plays that they run, um, and then I show examples on film, and we specifically break down how we're going to guard each screen um, and then our, like our, our, our primary and our backup plan for this ball screen and our primary and our backup plan for this Iverson and to into whatever, you know, and, uh, and just, and, and then we practice against it. We, we bring in some, some of our football players, um, like our, basically our defensive backs group. They like to come in and, uh, and act like they're good basketball players and run other team stuff. And so, uh, and so they come in and do and do that, and then we guard it, and then and then Thursday is more like, like before the Thursday game shoot around, I would show more game flow type stuff, just so they could see offense and defense at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we watch film for about fifteen minutes a day, um, but my assistants are really efficient with it, and they have everything clipped, um, clipped down and and ready to present every week. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, has your uh, has your practice planning uh, evolved over the years? I know mine did, you know, how I did stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, how has that changed over the years um, with, with how you we, put together a practice? We play more than uh, whenever I was a high school coach. When I was a high school coach, we spent 60 to 75% of our time on just fundamentals and breakdown stuff. Um, at the collegiate level, we have the spring and fall to really hammer fundamentals and, and then like in our small group workouts. Mm-hmm. And so we spend a little more time playing and like understanding flow and pace than what we, we did at the high school level. And I stole that from Flan. Um, I model my stuff a lot after what Flan does. It'll be it's consistent when I talk about him that I think he does things really freaking well. And uh, yeah, and and if I could, if we could be seventy five percent of him, we'd be doing really well here. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you guys keep track of uh, you know statistical stuff in practice? And if you do, um, what what do you guys keep track of? Yes, we do. So um, we during the season, like right now, we don't as much. 
um, unless we're going to play a lot in a day. And right now, our, t- our practices are going to start to trend to shorter. Um, but during the but before we play a game from like that October 15th and all of our fall, like our early, like our preseason practices, we stat and film everything. Um, I don't necessarily use the stats for playing time decisions um, because I think that there's, I think it can be a little skewed sometimes, but, um, but I do use the stats a lot for, just my own understanding of a player's activity sometimes like on the glass and, and I'm a big believer in keeping track of effective field goal percentage. Um, and, uh, and so I like to know that stuff as well and like understand, just, just start to chart what shots kids can make, what, what they make consistently and then try to figure out ways to get them those shots during the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Talk about, if you would, um, your transition. You want to talk? Uh, oh, let's. How about we do this? Let's okay. talk a little defense. Sure. Um, do you build your transition defense before you build your half court, or vice versa? We start with the half. Okay. Um, so why don't you go into your half court defensive philosophy and what you guys like to do, and then we'll talk about your transition defensive philosophy. Well. The- Let's see. So our first couple of years, we were in the top 10 in the country in Division Two in rebounding margin and uh, in like fewest offensive rebounds per game that are given up per game. This year, we're in like the top three in our conference, but we are not top 10 nationally. Um, but we're playing a much younger roster, so it's to be expected. We are incredibly scout heavy. Um, basically, our defense... Um, we, we play almost all man, and we we focus on um, on percentages and other teams' strengths and weaknesses. So, so we don't we're not a team we're not a pack line team, um, but we don't pressure the ball very much, and we don't jump passing lanes. We're we're finished. We finish close to last in forced turnovers every year, but 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 close to first in defensive field goal percentage. And uh, and then and then defensive rebounding percentage. So basically, our, our our whole goal is to get kids to shoot shots that they can't make or don't usually make and get a first shot rebound. Mm-hmm. And so and so for us, strong hands become really important. Um, and uh, and then and then just and then our scout becomes incredibly important. And something that's important for people to know is that you know our school our average ACT is around thirty one. So I'm the dumbest person on our roster by a long ways, and and I and, and my kids can remember things, and so a luxury we have, a luxury we don't have is to be is to be super athletic and long and disruptive. A luxury we do have is to be incredibly cerebral uh-huh. and and uh, and understand what we want to take away from players and what we're okay giving players. Uh-huh. Okay. So yeah. Um. I got a 31 on my ACT. It was my first. It was my first two attempts combined. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, I got, me too. A 17 and a 14. So. <laughs> I went 16 and 15. I was a little bit more consistent. So more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, 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 just strive for consistency. That's all. You know. Yeah. Uh, don't want to don't want to screw up the bell curve too much. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I think that's interesting that you, that you say that. Um, you know that you. Are, are taking 
the type of kids that that you can recruit to your school because I think, uh, and I know a little bit about your, your school because I had a couple of kids actually apply there and, yeah. and, and, and I had to write them a couple of letters of recommendation and that type of thing. Why they asked me, I have no earthly clue. I, I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. But, uh, um, I always, I always tell my students, my four year degree was the best six years of my life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, your school is very, um, academically driven, um, that, that the academics are going to come way, way first. I, I mean, to kind of put it in a picture in people's minds, something to compare it to, it's more of like a, a, a Stanford Duke-ish highly driven academic institution, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. We're like, um, 20% acceptance rate right now. So I believe one out of every five kids actually that applies actually gets in. That was um, that was that math was on the ACT. You nailed that one. That was one of your points right good. there. <laughs> was, yeah, good. But uh, but yeah, we are. Uh, it's it's incredibly academically driven, and and, and you know, so it, it it's uh, it limits the pool that we can recruit. Um, this is the only thing I don't like about the college is that I'm not a huge um, standardized test person. I don't believe it's a barometer for your life, and I can tell you even that here. Um, some of our lower test scores, like the, like we've had a couple 27s, um, are still almost 4.0 GPAs. So yeah. um, our college is a lot like every other college. It comes down to doing the work and being diligent and not just scores. However, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yep. So we, um, my president told me I could either embrace our standards or I could be the former women's basketball coach at Hill Snow College. Yeah. So – I'm embracing them. Again, that's simple math for you to figure out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, But I think it's interesting that you uh, – sometimes we we as coaches say, well, this is what I like to do or this is like – this is my philosophy. But you don't have the Jills or the Joes that are able to execute what you want or need to do uh, or what you would like to do. Um and I think that's important that we keep that in mind that we, we have, it's, it's our job to put our players in the best situation possible on both ends Correct. of the floor. Correct. You know, and it, it sounds like you've had to shift that a little bit based on, like you said, the type of kids that you yep. can attract to your institution, you know, and that's, that's, you've got some real, really, really good players. Like you said, they're just really young right now. You know, so yeah, and it's uh, a quote that was uh, it was actually a Bill Belichick quote, I think, and it was something along the lines of "Don't, uh, don't, don't come in here and tell me what these players can't do. Tell me what they can, and we'll figure out how to win." Yeah, and uh, and so for us, we don't focus on we don't focus on their like the, the areas that they're that they're short on. We uh, we you know we we're not disruptive. We can't press, but we can remember a scout and we can be in the right spot every time. And, and that's, that that's impactful to defense as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so from your half court philosophy, like we said, you, you build it in the half court first. Now you're, you're talking about your transition philosophy. So, so what do you do? What do you got going on there? You know, so for us, um, depending on the team we play, um, we'll have anywhere from, from one to three safeties. Um, we do still send probably more to the offensive glass than, than most teams do at the collegiate level. 
Um, and, uh, you know, as a high school coach, I remember we'd have, we'd have one safety. And now we, we, we talk about it in our tabs. So we talk about one and a half, two and a half safeties. And so what I mean by that is like, you know, we have to have one, but we kind of want to, but if it's convenient or you have a chance at it, one is okay. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, so then we like one of the things that Chevelle Herring just uh, drilled into me when we were at Midland was just to get, it was just to get somebody on the ball, mm-hmm. um, just to get the ball turned. And we're not usually married to matchups. Um, our kids can, uh, you know, we, we are, we're married probably to the five spot. And other than that, uh, we can switch one through four a lot of times. And so, and so just, just initially getting enough ball pressure so that the vision isn't, uh, so that the, the downhill vision of the PG isn't, is, is just a little bit clouded is a big start for us. Uh-huh. Um, and then, and then we talk about all the time, um, just what we call gap help in transition. And that's, you know, if your player's trailing, like impact the ball a little bit and, uh, and, 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 and or if or if your players try to you know assuming the people that your wings are covered up and you're like the five player the four player that maybe your person took the ball out of bounds or they got the rebound and they're they're a trail to like to like impact the ball and then and then really really what we always talk about just forcing back to help um, not letting the ball get to uh, getting to what we would call an outside hand where there was nobody where there's nobody there to, to, to pinch it. And, uh, and so, yeah, the sooner we get the ball picked up, the better off we are. And then, and then uh, anytime we can provide any gap help from a trail player, I think it makes a huge impact on just transition defense in general. Do you guys, do you guys teach, you know, big help or kind of one of the, the buzzwords uh, in half-court defense is, is stunting? right now yeah uh sure. do you, do you, you know what do you guys kind of teach or is it is it kind of scout dependent very scout dependent for us um we'll, we'll start with and we'll and we'll help hard off of a not of what we call what we call them ducks i don't know why you call we call them ducks but that's the word um but, but off of a non-range player we'll help hard and off of a shooter we'll stunt and recover and just pray to god they don't turn the corner anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ducks. Yeah, duck. Duck. Yep. Where'd you get that? I one? don't know why. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think that's what they. I don't know. I I, I can't tell you, Marty. I'm sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> it just is. It just yeah, is. Yeah, it just is. You know, it just the, is. Uh, I I used to, uh, you know, they would call me duck, like. Whenever Plum gets the ball, you know, duck because he'll probably throw it away, you know, or or something yeah. like that. That 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 might be that might be the maybe cause that's where of it. Came from. it. Very very well could be. So uh, <laughs> I hope not, but maybe. <laughs> my my parents never sat in the in the bottom four or five rows because they were smart enough to know if I had the ball in my hands, you never knew where it was going to end up. So. Oh yeah, we've we've had lots of players like that, both of us. <laughs> um. Shooting, you know, and 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 your teams, have, uh, you you've always uh, had kids that could that could score the ball well, and I know that's something that that you uh, you really emphasize as as we all do. But you know, you guys have been able to to uh, uh, to have kids that have really shot the ball well. Uh, kind of let's let's go with your your philosophy on shooting, how you teach shooting, and then maybe you know what's uh, what's two or three of your uh, favorite shooting drills. 
so um so for us we shoot a lot off of we shoot off of a lot of screens we run a lot of motion and some markets weirdly enough have to learn how to shoot uh left right and right left if you're curling things and uh and then um I was always, as a high school coach, um, a one-two, a one-two coach. I always wanted my kids shooting off of a one-two. Um, I have the best shooter I've ever coached in my entire career is a sophomore for me now, and she is a hop kid. Mm-hmm. And and so, to be honest with you, by the time they get to college, I don't, I don't change their footwork if their shots going in. Yep. And and. Uh, you know, and, and her parents have used trainers her whole life, and she shot thousands of shots like that. And if, if it isn't broken, don't fix it type of a deal. Yeah. Um, if it keeps going in, don't mess with it. Yep. Yep. As a high school coach, we talked a lot about one-two steps, and uh, we, we talk a lot about – we practice here a lot of, like, just getting out of screens and just reading screens and getting your feet set. I think one of the things that kids have missed this today – is, uh, you know, Flan always talks about this, is just being shot ready. Like, uh, you know, if you're a hop kid, just having your knees bent and, and your hands ready. And, uh, and and kids want to speed up their shot all the time. But ultimately, the best way to speed it up is to be, is, is preparation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just so, so shot preparation for us is something we practice and talk about a lot. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I've had kids here at Hillsdale, our, uh, the, the, one of our players, a senior last year, made 89 threes um, for us, which is a ton. Yeah. And Marty, she had the ugliest shot you'd ever seen. <laughs> and I mean, she's she flung it. It's like it's it's like, uh, and and I hope this doesn't offend anybody. But do you remember the Calico kids from from Grand Island? Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was very non traditional. But but Brittany was this girl's name. She took that release and made it ugly. And but she was, but she was incredibly efficient with it, and she practiced it enough that I didn't mess with it. Yeah. I mean, we let her fling it, and uh, and so shooting drills, um, we spend a lot of time, a lot of time shooting off of screens, so like chairs or like your, you know, those goofy looking defenders that you buy, those things. Oh, uh, um, um, uh, the the. Uh... Jump is not. It's not jump man. It's uh, no. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, skill man. Skill man. Skill man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 So we use those a lot, you know. And uh, and then so so one of my favorite drills that we do though is uh, we do what what we call five ball, which is three man weave and two shooters, mm-hmm. um, but full court and uh, and we put time and score. Um, stipulations on it so that and we always do it directly after our hardest drill so that we are dog tired and like just shooting tired at full speed i think is valuable um and then and then we my assistant coaches do some things with like uh just reading closeouts just like just like varying closeouts on kids on like a, a wing, a wing catch inside pivot, and then and then reading just like just like varied closeouts and just and just understanding when to shoot it, when to drive it. Like we do a lot of breakdown stuff in those areas too. Um, let's see other shooting drills that. Uh, so we're a big 
we're a big motion team. Mm-hmm. And so, so shooting off of screens, obviously I've mentioned that about it's become repetitive. Sorry about that. No, but, no, uh, no, it's okay. But, but we'll put it, we'll put a kid on the, on each wing and each seam and then, um, and then start the ball in the seam and, and, and transfer it. And then they have to get, they have to set one screen between the two of them and get out of it. And so we, we call that two on O shooting, but we, we use two basketballs. So we have a coach pass and a player pass. And then the other side goes and we, uh, you know, so, so one side gets into a screen and then, and they each get a shot. And then the other side does it immediately. And so we can get about eight kids, about, you know, you know, 20 to 25 shots in four minutes um, off of screens and off of game reads that they may have to make. Mm-hmm. And so that's another one that we do a lot of, a lot. And then, you know, just other like traditional one more, like drive it, kick it, drive it, kick it drills and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, a lot of reading. Yeah. So that's a big deal for us. Yeah. Do you, um, so you obviously that's something that you guys just, Drilling to your kids, drilling to your kids, making those reads, reading and reacting off yeah. of what your partner is doing, and and uh, that type of thing, and yeah. and and obviously way implemented within your shooting drills and your practice concepts and everything that you're doing there. So, hundred percent. Yep. Um, we talked uh, a little bit. Uh, before we went on the air, you know, I, I, I keep track of your, your, your teams. A lot of my coaching friends at the collegiate level, I keep track of their teams and how they're doing. And, you know, you guys have uh, struggled a little bit wins and losses wise, but you've been in a ton of close games. You know, you lose by four here, lose by five here, lose by seven here. And I'm guessing, you know, it, it was closer than seven or eight points. They might have stretched away yeah. with free throws at the end, that type of thing. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting to that point of the season where, uh, you know, some people are um, obviously things are going really well. But obviously, if, you know, if half of them are things are going really well, the other half, it's not going as well as what they would like. And I know you're a competitive guy, obviously. Uh you've had some injuries. We talked a little bit about some of the personal stuff that you guys have dealt with. Um, you know, what, you know, uh, what are you trying to do to keep your team moving forward, uh, to, to, you know, keep their heads up, to keep their confidence going. I mean, it's the kids are kids and, and, and they're going to see, well, you guys are sitting at, I believe it was six and 11 right now. Uh, you know, a lot of kids will go, well, we're 6-11, and 11, we stink. And you, you've said multiple times in the pod here, well, we're playing 9 or 10 freshmen and sophomores, and we've had all these injuries and that type of thing. But So what are some things that you're doing as an experienced coach to try and uh, keep that momentum moving forward, even though uh, the final score hasn't worked in your favor as much as you would like to right now? Um, so, so first thing we do is uh... – is we we set uh, like manageable like like we talk about like manageable like measurable type goals for us and uh, and and like and it doesn't have to do we never we never set those like statistically or wins and losses wise um, we talk about we talk about competing every play um, we talk about um, communication type things and and we talk and and, and also I'm honest with my kids. I told him after the game last night we, we lost our point guard to an ACL yesterday, and we played without our other, our, probably our our other best guard um, yesterday as well, and then and, and had a chance to win against a good team. Yeah. Um, 
so we talk about, you know, a month ago, how we would have given up, how we didn't fight, how we couldn't have guarded at the level that gave us a chance. And then, and then we find, and then I, I just, I'm just honest with them. I just told them, I said, you know, like you guys, I've been doing this for 20 something years now. And, and they're all good years. And they're looking at me like, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and, and I, and I'm like, no, but really they are all good years. Some years your records are good. Some years your camaraderie is good. Some, some years the lessons that you learn are, are the good part. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I tell them every day. I'm like, we love you guys. We don't, we, our record. I've had teams that have been really, really good record wise that I did not enjoy coaching. Absolutely. And, and I, and I've never, there's not one time I've been like, well, crap, I, I got to go to practice today. Like every day I tell them I get to see them and I get to try to help them learn basketball. And I, I get to learn from them as far as, 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 as just far as how to treat each other and how to be, a, and, and, and they make us want to be there and want to work hard for them. And, and like, that's the effect they should have on each other that they should realize how lucky they are. And even at six and 11 or whatever it is, it's not been, it's not been fun from a win loss standpoint, Mm -hmm. but like, and like yesterday I said, look, I don't, I said, I don't know why this year has had the injuries and the tragedy with, we had, you know, with the like family um, deaths that we've dealt with and things like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why, but I'm like, I don't know any other team that could handle it. And I'm like, and, 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 you know, God gives his toughest battles to his most, you know, capable soldiers. And I'm like, I know that's, you're not soldiers. And this isn't, and this isn't in this great scheme of life. It is a tough battle, but at the same time, like maybe you'll be able to handle something down the road because of what you've already dealt with because you've had this experience. So when something really serious happens, you'll be able to, reach back to this experience and be better because of it. And I'm like, cause something really serious is going to happen to all of us at one point. And so, you know, we just tell them every day we love them and to keep fighting. And we model that ourselves by, by, you know, like, like working extremely hard on scouts and, and staying positive and, and believing that we can still achieve. Mm-hmm. You guys are obviously recruiting, kids uh but and and so you kind of like you said to a degree you get to pick the players that to a a large degree you get to pick the players that you want to coach um but once you get them there on campus you've talked about and you know you talked about it before we got going that you know this is a really enjoyable team the 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 chemistry is good you know and and so forth uh what are what are you guys you know before the the challenges of uh, of things that have hit. What are some things that you guys have done culturally behind the scenes to to bring your kids closer together? Do you do like a unity council? Do you do uh, you know what type of team bonding stuff? That type of thing do you do? You know what? Um, and this is stuff I learned from Flan. I trust them. I don't micromanage their lives. We don't have rules. Like my only rule is be committed. And, and, uh, so I don't know, I don't even have a drinking rule already. Like we don't, um, if our kids are committed, we don't need it. Uh-huh. Um, we talk to them about what good behavior looks like, and then we just expect them to model it. Um, we, we let them like, 
you know, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that if that if I'm the loudest, like the most evident voice, that uh, we could be we could be good. But if their voices are the most evident, we could be great. And uh, and so we just, you know, we let them own their locker room. We like every other team, we condition and lift and. And and that's as that's as good a team building as what you could ever hope for. Now we do all the stuff where we carve pumpkins and come to my house and we go to you and like we went and looked through Christmas lights. You know, you do all that stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, but ultimately, them them like going through things together and uh, and like finding value in each other is the most impactful piece of culture. And then from a coaching standpoint, the most important thing we can do is trust our kids mm-hmm. like them. They'll uh, they'll double down on that trust and be better than what the, and better than what you expected. Awesome, awesome, Coach. How how would people find Matt Fritchie on the World Wide Web? Uh, my email is uh, mfritchie at uh, that's f r i t s c h e at hillsdale.edu. Yep. Um, my uh, I mean I don't know if anybody needs anything. My cell is 517-212-1989. I, uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't know what it is. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very likely to respond to phone calls, texts, emails, like whatever, whatever we can ever help anybody with. Because, uh, you know, this year has been trying. I've asked several people for help. Um, I would, I would, um, I, I'm, um, karma would say that I owe some. So, uh, so if, if there's anything we can do for anybody, I'd always be um, available. Awesome. Um, any any Hillsdale Twitter feeds or anything like that? If somebody wants to follow your program, learn more about it or anything. Yeah, I think it's Hillsdale WBB. I think I. To be honest with you, Marty, like my assistants are ten times smarter, more organized, better looking, everything that I am. Yeah. I don't know we, what that stuff is. We know they're definitely better looking. You yeah, know. it doesn't take much. Does it? Yeah, I. You know, we bald, fat. <laughs> <laughs> nose, nose looks like a ski slope. It's just a, a disaster. Uh, you, you, you're just. Uh, you're just. You know, you kind of got it. You got some Derek Zoolander in you. You know, you could, you could, you could pull it off. You could pull it off. Come on now, you, give yourself a little bit of credit there, Fritzy. Give yourself a little bit of credit. Well, I tell you what, dig up your Twitter account enough to a give us a follow at a pen and a napkin, and and b when this drops, you can shoot it out on your sites and and everything uh so that people who know you and and know your program they can also get to know us and what i'm trying to do with this here which is like you were kind of talking about there that at the end there i'm just uh i'm not making any money off of this in any way shape or form i i think i'm pretty sure i'm losing money uh but it's 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 just been all about helping other coaches and and helping other coaches try to uh, get better at what they do and and having great coaches like you on here it's it's been really awesome to get the uh the people on here to talk hoops that i've been able to get on here so um someone tells me coaches are terrible businessmen <laughs> um yeah probably my wife, my wife would say i'm the worst but um but you your wife may say the same about you we may be in a tight race um well but your wife comes from you know a business background with the, with the, with the, with the compound and, and, the, you know, and, and all that other stuff, you know, 
you guys never had to go to the mattresses or anything like that, did you? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I math, uh, there's, there's a reason why I teach a subject that, uh, has a, uh, has a television network after it, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, awesome. uh, you know, I, I cramp up, push and play on that DVD player. So, um, that, that, that keeps my head above water. So, um, well, Matt, I, I really appreciate you, you coming on here. Uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for being a good friend over the years. I appreciate all the, the stuff, you know, uh, that you've done for me and, and your, uh, your move up the ranks has been richly deserved. You're, you're a hell of a coach and you do a great job. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on tonight. All right. Well, why don't you hold the hold the line here? I got to wrap up a couple things, and then we'll we'll roll out here. It's been an honor and a privilege to have Matt Fritchie, the head women's basketball coach at Hillsdale College, on uh, tonight. Uh, as always, we want to thank Cosac Chiropractic for sponsoring this the podcast. Again, if you're in any need of chiropractic services, uh, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at four zero two. Nine six four zero three zero zero. Fritchy, the next time you're back in Omaha, if you need an adjustment, that's where you need to go. So, uh, give us a follow on Twitter. Like I said, like Coach Fritchy will here, a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, and review the episode. And if you want, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Another great episode here tonight. Matt Fritchy, head women's basketball coach at Hillsdale College. Can't thank him enough for taking uh, the time out of his schedule. Uh, it's a busy time of year for him uh, heading into conference season, but he was more than willing to, to jump on the pod here tonight. So greatly appreciated from, from Coach Fritchie. And coaches, as always, continue to hone your craft one day at a time.